0: the medical school hq podcast session number 95
1: everyone's gonna have their own timeline really and it's really important to not go on someone else's timeline because you don't know how that person got on their original timeline in the first place hey this is Z Dog md rapper physician legendary turntable health revolutionary and part-time gardener and you're listening to the medical school hq podcast hosted by the irredeemably awesome ryan gray
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Medical School Headquarters podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help you on your path to becoming a physician. If you haven't taken the MCAT yet and are planning to sometime soon, go to freemcatgift.com and download our 30-plus page study guide, report, whatever you want to call it, just giving you all kinds of cool tips and tricks on how to successfully navigate the MCAT. There's also some discount codes in there as well for MCAT prep. Now, in this interview today... We're going to talk a little bit about mentoring near the end, and I wanted to give you a website to go to right now, medicalschoolhq.net slash group, and if you need some motivation, some encouragement in your life, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group, and that will take you to a new private Facebook group that. Is for you. You listen to this podcast for one reason or another. And this new hangout, it's called on Facebook, will allow you to collaborate with other students that listen to this podcast. So if you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group and you click join this group, one of the admins, which is myself, And to Allison, and, and maybe some other people in the future, will accept you into that group and you can come collaborate and talk about each episode. And it allows us to reach out to you a little bit easier as well. So, again, medicalschoolhq.net slash group. Now, I'm excited for today's interview because it's somebody that I found on Twitter, realized that he had a blog, and then reached out to him because of the story that he told on his blog. DeAndre is a first-year medical student at Boston University who took the long road to medical school. He's a non-traditional student. He's 30 years old right now. He took several years of community college courses trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. And he eventually jumped up into a four-year university and still really didn't know until an advisor kind of kicked him in the butt and said, "Here's what you're gonna do." <laughs> and so we talk all about that and I think it's gonna be very helpful for you if you're struggling with some of these decisions yourself and how he went through the process and successfully interviewed at many schools, got accepted at multiple schools and and you'd be interested to hear that there was a stolen car that possibly led to him sealing his fate of becoming a doctor. DeAndre, welcome to the show. Now, I want to first thank you for actually taking some time to talk to us because you're in your first year of medical school. How crazy is that right now?
1: So far, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, we had, we're kind of an experimental class. We were the first ones to have a, like, this huge histology thing. And so we had a test on the third week of class and that was a big adjustment. And there's still more to come. I have two more, three more, four more tests, actually, like in two weeks. So it's a big adjustment from what I'm used to doing.
0: Yeah, it's not crazy? It's like, okay, here's your syllabus. And you're looking, and you're like, crap, there's already a test right there. How am I going to learn all of this stuff so fast?
1: It's been that way for everybody, actually. Um, like, I think one of the hardest parts was the adjustment to gross anatomy. They just give it to you and they're like, oh, here, yeah, like, like you said, here's your syllabus and learn everything. Yep. And that's like a new type of thought for me where you're used to thinking of, oh, how much do I need to know? But now it's like, oh, just know everything. And <laughs> that's kind of a new adjustment period.
0: Yeah. But on the other end, it's like, hey, you kind of need to know everything.
1: Yeah. And that's it kind of makes it easier to study in a way because. I think, well, I can't forget this stuff because this is what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. And I signed up for it, right? So it's definitely different. It's hard, but it's definitely worth it because sometimes I have clinic days and then I think, well, I I just learned and I see it that very day. And it just shows me how important it is, what we're learning.
0: So you're already being exposed to patients?
1: Yeah. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. We have an introduction to clinical medicine. And so uh, once a week, I have clinic hours. And then I either interview patients or I shadow it just depends on what department I'm in. And so that's been a really interesting thing. And I know some doctors have told us that they wish that they had that experience too, as opposed to just being thrown into the wards the third year.
0: Yeah, that's great kind of dip your toes in and I think a lot of medical schools are going in that direction because that bedside manner and understanding, and I think it's a lot of understanding what you're learning and how it relates to a patient. So it motivates you, I think, a little bit more to do better in the classroom because you're seeing the repercussions of what you're learning.
1: Right. It's true. I mean, I've seen there was a cold fracture at the risk. There was some motorcyclist who flew off his bike. Because of a car accident, and he had that fracture. And I saw it in class literally that morning, and I thought I would never remember that fracture. But when you see it, it's, uh, it really sticks with you. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Congratulations. I know it's exciting times for you. And again, thank you for taking some time to talk to us. Let's rewind and find out who you are and the steps that you took along the way, because I think that's the story that will help motivate a lot of the people listening, and it'll help us understand that, again, you don't have to do everything perfectly to end up where you want to be. So, you're a non-traditional student, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: How old are you?
1: I've just turned 30 this year.
0: Ah, oh, See, I had somebody, I think it was on Facebook or somewhere, where they're like, I was told because I'm 22 that starting my prereqs now, I shouldn't even try. And that's just crazy.
1: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I don't know what I was doing when I was 22, but I definitely probably wasn't ready to go to med school yet. Yeah. I mean, honestly, in my program, there's I'm not the oldest one. There's, some, there's a few people actually older than me. But I think the trend is starting to shift where the non-traditional is starting to become the traditional. And that's kind of our like running joke at our school is that most people don't come straight out of undergrad ready to med school, either because of experience or because of grades, just there's various reasons. But I think, I mean, it's really nice if you get in when you're like 21 or 22 and you knew since you're like 16 that you wanted to become a doctor. But I think for most people, it doesn't work out that way. And Yeah, for me, it definitely didn't work out that way. Let's talk about
0: your beginnings. When did you actually know that school was where you wanted to go?
1: Well, I was about to graduate from my university. I went to university pretty late. I started working, actually, when I was younger. And then um, when I was about to graduate, I met up with my physiology professor. And then he was like, well, what are you going to do when you graduate? And I was like, well, I really don't know. And then he's like, well, have you ever thought about, you know, uh, becoming a doctor or research or anything? And I was like, well, medicine sounds pretty cool, but I didn't think I could do it. And then I like made a joke, you know, of saying how I couldn't do it and it was impossible. Then I saw like the stone cold look in his face and he's like, why are you not trying to do that? And I was like, I don't know. I had never thought of it that way. I thought it was something that you had to be a perfect person literally, you know, and that you have to be working on your portfolio and have the perfect grades and perfect everything. So when I had a conversation with him, I think that's when I first thought yeah, maybe I could do this then. So I delayed my graduation and uh, started working with him and started working on my portfolio for med school. That's an
0: awesome advisor right there.
1: Yeah, not, he was. He not, pretty awesome.
0: Not like the advisor that told me, don't apply to medical school, you're a white male.
1: That's terrible advice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. So you're getting ready to graduate. You were obviously taking some science courses if this was a physiology professor. What did you have in mind for what you wanted to do?
1: You know, honestly, I really had no idea. (laughs) I just liked science. So I was taking science classes. So I was fortunate that I had a lot of the prereqs under my belt and I've always done well in science classes and not so well in other classes, interesting enough. So by the time he said that, I actually had to finish up organic chemistry, I think. And that was all I had to do. It was just kind of a whim. Why not try it and see what's going to happen? I was imagining that I would just graduate and then have to find a job, like a normal desk job, maybe. Oh, there's nothing wrong with the desk job. But I had no idea, actually. I, I was like... I was the first one to go to college, so I thought that was really too unrealistic of an, of an actual idea. So I really had no idea. I don't know what I'll be doing right now. Perhaps working at an insurance company, or something. I have no idea <laughs> what I'll be doing.
0: We need those people, too. Yeah, we do. That's, that's awesome. So yeah. y- were you graduating from a four-year university at this point? Yes, I was. And the reason I asked that is because you had some community college experience. Let's talk about that for a little bit.
1: Right. So when I graduated high school, I actually had decent grades, three point something or other. But like I had a pretty normal SAT and it was because I was, well, for that year, I was inside the hospital for like maybe three months. I had asthma and then I was like, just, it was really, really bad that year. So I was like a really impatient for a pretty long time and I actually missed the whole SAT prep that I was signed up for. So when I took the SAT, it was just randomly and I'd never seen the SAT before or the pre-SAT and I just took it cold Saturday morning one day. And then so that kind of doomed me to not have been able to go anywhere. So my parents talked me into going to community college and I said, well, just go there and figure out what you want to do. And I went to community college and I just did random things actually still there because I I thought, oh, this is my time to figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't think that these grades would kind of haunt me later because I just kind of did random things and just tried a little bit of everything. And then I started working during that time. And then I took a break from school actually for, I mean, I I was was still going, but it was extremely part-time around that time. I mean, I just tried different majors uh, from mechanical engineering to teaching and then i started thinking about art actually and i was actually pretty sure i was going to go into art because that's what i was doing at high school so i was pretty certain that i was going to do something about art and probably not get paid for the rest of my life (laughs) Uh, kind of like now i guess (laughs) like at this period right now but that's the direction i was going and that's the direction i was pretty sure i was going to go and things changed and i decided to move into the sciences
0: That's awesome. So how long were you in the community college?
1: Mm, I think I was out there for like maybe four years because I was only taking like maybe a class at a time. Around that time, I was working in like 30 hours to 40 hours per week. And it was doing like the swing shift. So I was slowly moving up in the company. So I thought that was my future. So I was thinking, well, maybe this whole school thing was a waste of time. And I was lucky that someone older and wiser than me said, hey, you're young and you're smart, so you should get out of here. And so I decided to go back to community college and I transferred to my four-year university after that.
0: That's interesting. So you were there a long time, and it, it sounds like without somebody giving you a little kick in the pants that you would have finished there and just went off into the workforce.
1: Most likely, and I'm really happy I didn't do that because that company I was working for, they like were bought out and everything, and uh, they they like closed the office, and it would have been a really bad time. So wow. it worked out for me. I decided to do something else.
0: Well, we're glad that you didn't do that because now you're in medical school and you're going to become a physician and you're going to start healing patients, and so that's a much better calling. It sounds like I agree. So you mentioned something about. Your community college grades coming back to haunt you. Why did you say that?
1: Well, because I was pretty like, uh, odd or if not arrogant during community college, where if I didn't agree with the professor's answers, I would literally put the answers that I thought it would be. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, this is, I don't believe in this answer. So I didn't know that that would really haunt me so much later. But fortunately, I did well in all my science classes. But when it came to like, classes where I have to give my opinion, perhaps my opinion wasn't strongly represented enough or explained well enough to get the grade, I suppose. I think that's a more mature way to think of it. But I just usually did bad inside the classes with like, the sociology type of things or just things where you have to like subscribe to a certain type of thought. And that didn't really work that well for me. And I guess that's why the sciences kind of worked well for me was because there was a right or wrong answer and I could understand the logic in it and I could just agree with it because it's kind of right, right? It's science. So that's kind of how I was thinking of it. Yeah. I'm very similar to
0: you. I don't like gray areas. I want to know that there's a correct answer and I want to know that there's a way to solve for that instead of this kumbaya willy nilly stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was very much the same exact way. So It was a natural switch, I suppose. Like, it just seemed more concrete. When I was in community college, when I started doing more artwork and I thought I was going to do artwork, I was pretty sure that was the direction I was going to go. And I was actually lucky that, well, not lucky, but it was fortunate that this happened. But my car was stolen at the time and I had my art portfolio inside the car. And about six months later, I got the car back from the police, I It was like a long story about that, but I never got my art portfolio back. And then I was thinking, you know, I want to do something more concrete where what I learn or what I do kind of stays with me. And I thought science was the way. And it's kind of a cheesy reason, I suppose, why compared to some inspirational reasons So some other people might have. But that was my reason. It was kind of like a random whim thing.
0: (laughs) So if I ask, when did you start this journey to become a physician it could start with my car being stolen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I think that might be the title of the podcast. That's pretty much what it was, I think. That's when I was kind of like frustrated with the thought of being able to work hard on something and it just being gone with like not much to show for it. And I guess like dementia or something would do that too. But for the most part, it it seems like science was okay, what I learn, it'll keep inside me and I'll be able to like, use it and never lose it type, type of thing. Yeah,
0: that's good. So four years kind of part-time at community college, you decide to make the leap and go to a four-year school. How much thinking went into, should I retake some of these science courses? Should I just continue on this path? And I kind of, I know we talked already about the whole kind of pre-med thing you You didn't really figure out until the end, but how much of that community college past were you thinking about and did you have to kind of work around it at the university?
1: Well, I guess fortunately, the classes that I did well in pretty much exclusively were my science classes. And that was even when I wasn't thinking about science yet. I was always kind of geeky when it came to science and it kind of made sense. To me, like once something makes sense to, to me, I, I'm able to, to like, do well in it usually. It was actually the other classes that I didn't do well in. I didn't make those up, to be honest. So when I went to the four-year college, I didn't have to retake any courses, actually, for the sciences.
0: Okay. And so let's fast forward to you had this discussion with your advisor. You had this click of, okay, well, I'll apply to medical school. Why not? At what point did you start realizing that, you know what, these community college classes might hurt me? I hear that medical schools don't like community college classes or they won't accept community college classes. Did you come across any of that information along the way?
1: I've came across that. But what ended up happening was a lot of the science courses that I took were not the pre-med requirements. It was like astronomy or just random science classes that weren't part of like the strict organic chemistry, chemistry, physics. I took all those actually at the university. And then I took some, I think took some biology classes, which is usually not requirement for a lot of medical school, except for a few, I suppose. So I had some biology classes from the community college and random classes that nothing to do with medical school, like some engineering classes at the community college. I heard, you know, a lot of bad talk about you have to have this perfect this, perfect that. And I don't know. It, it, I just kind of ignored it, I suppose. I, I think that's one thing that I'm good at, I suppose, is ignoring what other people say sometimes.
0: Where would you hear this?
1: A certain website <laughs> that people usually go to. Is this a three
0: letter people- website?
1: Yes, it has a, a um. three letter acronym. I forgot what it's called, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three letter acronym. And I think that's when I was like, you know, uh, maybe this is really too unrealistic for me. And I, that's probably why when my advisor asked me around that time, because I, I mean, I had heard of the website. It's not, you know, it's pretty famous. So I have heard of it and I glanced at it and I was like, oh, OK, these people are like, everyone is like, 4. <laughs> 4. like 4.0. 4.0 and a 40. and Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, that's not me. So I was like, I'll be a trash man or something. <laughs> because, <laughs> There's nothing else I do in my life. So, I mean, there was an element there where I just didn't think it would be realistic. Fortunately, I did not listen to that three-letter website. Good,
0: good. All right. And at what point did you start studying for the MCAT, and what was your experience with that?
1: So I started studying for the MCAT after, I think it was just when I was about to graduate. So, okay, so I need to self study for this thing. And then I like, graduated inside a weird term. So I had time to like, study for it. Or I think I graduated like in the winter or something. So I had time. So when I first took the first practice test, I think I wanted to. I literally remember coming home because I, I took the practice test at a Starbucks of all places. And then um, I came home and I actually felt nauseous. Like it was, it was so hard. That I, it was my first time in my life that I felt like sick. I guess the stress mm-hmm. of of sitting here and take, taking a test actually made me kind of feel sick. And I thought, wow, like I thought I was pretty okay with the sciences. And when I graded it, and I was like, wow, I was really hoping to do better than that. And but I kind of kept with it, and I was self-studying, so it wasn't that much of a surprise. But yeah, it was definitely a shock of how hard it was. And I guess not only that, but how hard it was and how long it was because it's one thing to like casually study for it but when you sit down and you really do it and you don't take you know and you do it under the real time frame you really realize how much it takes to perform like as best like your best section but for the entire test and that was like a new thought for me that was definitely difficult
0: yeah so you self studied the whole time What kind of books did you use and did you use any sort of like study calendars that are available online that other students might be able to use?
1: I didn't use any study calendars. I did self-study. I used exam crackers pretty much exclusively. I think towards the end, I ran out of questions to do because I know that's really important for the MCAT is you have enough questions to evaluate how you're doing. I think towards the end, I ran out of questions in the the science and biology, so I, I picked up Princeton Review Science workbook, I think. I mean, that it was definitely, that helped a lot. But I didn't really want to use another calendar. I'm not sure if this was wise or not. I guess it worked out in the end. But I've always figured that I kind of know myself well. I mean, I was a tutor for a while. I tutored organic chemistry and biochemistry and other random pre-med stuff before I was a pre-med, actually. So I thought, well... I could probably use the stuff that I've been learning or at least how to manage my time. And then so I try to do it myself. And I'm not sure if that was a good strategy or not, but I thought, well, if I can't manage my time now, then how am I going to do it later inside med school? So it was kind of like I was testing myself for the MCAT, but at the same time I was testing to see if I could do it. So that was my strategy. It was kind of weird, but I went with it and it kind of worked out. So how did you do? I got a 30, actually. 10, 10, 10. That's, that's um, perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so like, you, you are living a, proof
0: that you don't have to do a expensive course. There are cheaper courses, but a lot of them are very expensive. And so, But it sounds like you kind of knew yourself. And I think that's an important distinction there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely doable. I can understand why some people want to do a class. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it if you can afford it. I think if I could have afforded it, I probably would have done it plus self study. But I don't know. I, I think in a way, I got a lot out of it because at some point, I mean, I was getting in my practice test, I was getting over 30s. But like, this is it's really true. Like, you really will get within the range that you kind of expect. So there's no, I don't think there's really any surprises the day of the MCAT if you study correctly. So I had a horrible test week, actually. I didn't have my Zen week you're supposed to have for that peaceful thing. I had a really horrible week. I was pretty satisfied with like me having a a horrible week and still being able to walk out with a 30p, actually. It was back when they were still doing the... uh, The The written. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The written, yeah. Awesome.
0: So congratulations. Obviously, you're in medical school now. And let's talk just for a minute about your interview process and if there were any big hurdles along the way that maybe you, you can teach us so that we don't and the, the person listening doesn't have to struggle through those and talk about your multiple acceptances and how you chose to go to the school that you're at now.
1: Okay, I guess I'll start with the interview process. I think the biggest tip I would have is that you really have to know, it sounds very strange, but you really have to know yourself before you walk into the interview because your interviewer will deconstruct you. And it's not necessarily a negative thing, but it's surprising how well they'll know you. And I think that's a, the most surprising thing for me when I went into my interview was like, wow, this person—it seemed like they knew me like all my life. And I mean, some of them seemed like they knew me better than like my own parents or my friends. <laughs> and I was really shocked, you know, like the stuff that they can pick up on during inside your essay or inside your transcript. I was just mm-hmm. actually amazed. So. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why I was applying and who I really was and my motivations. And that actually worked out pretty well. Whereas it, then I didn't really practice that much as in like what hypothetical question they would ask me because I felt kind of grounded, I guess is the word for it. Whereas in I knew like and where or how I felt about things. And I just had to just say what I really thought, you know, but at the same time, like I did realize that there are some things that you should practice too. So as opposed to like rehearsing an interview, because I'm, I'm pretty bad at rehearsing those things. So I just like went through a book and just saw typical interview questions. And I just kind of imagined how what main points I want to hit to make sure that when I left the interview, I'm able to describe everything that I really feel about that issue. I think because one of the worst things is to walk out of the interview and think, man, I didn't cover that one thing that I really wanted to talk about. So there's some salesmanship definitely during the interview. I mean, everyone's doing that. But at the same time, I think it's important that you're also interviewing your actual interviewer, which is most people don't feel that comfortable with that. But I felt that I wasn't sure if I would get in or not. But if I did get in, I wanted to know that this is a school that I want to go to. So. I didn't miss beat when it came a chance for me to ask them questions and to learn more. And that really meant like doing a lot of research for the school before I went there. So I don't ask a question that I could have easily just looked up on the the website. I didn't try to stump the the actual interviewer necessarily. But I mean, it's pretty costly to go to medical school. So it seems worth it to make sure that the money and the years that you're going to put into it is a place that you'll be happy at. And that was a really big thing. I think I got that training because I was thinking about doing a PhD towards the end. I was kind of like on the edge between PhD and like or MD. And the PhD applications or the mindset is more of like, which lab are you going to be in for the next like eight years? And will you fit there? So I think I still had that mindset of fitting into a place. So I think that helped me feel like less nervous and really helped me like hone in on what to talk about and what to ask them, like for the conversation.
0: Cool. No, that's good and advice, then, um, and that's and that's very similar to residency interviews. Is you are doing that interviewing back and forth, trying to understand if you're going to fit in over those three to seven years.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I think I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that I've heard was that a school, like at least for. PhD programs that they probably applied to med school too, the schools, they're not just looking for students, but they're looking for like, who's going to be their next colleague. And, you know, they're actually going to walk you into that world. And then you want to make sure that they should like you, but you want to make sure that you like them because that's a long time to be miserable in a program. If you don't think that you actually want to be there, it's good to get in anywhere you can, you know, that one acceptance is the most important thing. But at the same time, you kind of have to interview, thinking that I might get more than one acceptance, and then so it really helps to really like mind them a little bit to make sure that it's an equal thing. I didn't feel that they were evil people out to get me, except for maybe one interview, I suppose. But <laughs> They're, they 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 are out there. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, there was that one interview.
0: It's not the norm, thankfully. All right, yeah. so you obviously interviewed well. You got multiple acceptances. Let's talk about how you actually narrowed down where you ended up.
1: Well, it was actually between, that was a really hard decision because I, I remember telling myself if I ever got a full scholarship, that's a place I'm going to go to. And I actually had to turn that down because when I was accepted into BU, I was like, wow, this school means a lot to me when I like went there. And I think one of the, well, to explain that, when I walked around and when I saw the student body and and how happy they are, and really just learning more about what makes a school special and how they treat their students and the staff. And of course, you also have to think about the residency inside the future. I mean, it's, it's not in here with medical school, it keeps going. This is like just step one, really. So I think when I put everything together as in how I was treated during the interview, how much it's going to cost, and how much I would enjoy living inside that city for that period of time. I think that's one of the main reasons why I went this direction. Then I was caught up between another school that wasn't offering such a great scholarship, although BU also did offer a scholarship, so it worked out, but it wasn't full, obviously, but it did work out. But I remember one school that I kind of liked it before I went there, then it was that interview where the interviewer was doing like this bad cop kind of thing. (laughs) And then, But there was no good cop in the room.
0: There was you know? no counterbalance.
1: Yeah, there was no counterbalance. So I just remember like she just undermined everything that I said for like 45 minutes uh. and just was like opposite of everything I said for like the entire time. And then like last, then when I got up, she was like, well, I actually agreed with everything that you said. I just want to see how you would handle it. And I think I was so, um, I don't know, frustrated by what just happened that I thought oh, I'm not coming here and then that, that kind of like crossed that school off the list immediately because I thought, well, if this house, it's going to be, you know, now it might be this way for it in the next couple of years and I, I thought this is going to be a really miserable path. I didn't want to do that. So that was one, that, I mean, every other school that I did interview at did not have that. They were that's, actually really That's a
0: bummer. And, and you know what? I would encourage you to, if you haven't already, offer that feedback to that school.
1: Actually I did. There was a survey that they sent me. And I like wrote a pretty long essay about Good. that. Good. Yeah.
0: Now, that's something they need to hear because they're I'm sure other students are getting that same interviewer and probably getting that same experience and it's just not fun. And like you said, if if this is the culture here, then I don't want to be here. And so they're losing possibly highly qualified people that could be representing them well into the future and they're losing them because of an interviewer, or maybe it's the way that they interview everybody. I don't know, but that's interesting. And I'm glad you gave that feedback.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, it was a kind of, it was my like last interview, actually, which was kind of good. I'm really happy that was my last interview. And I was thinking, this is how I thought med school would be like years ago before I, you know, the whole website thing where I thought it would be like that evil they're out to get you kind of thing and I was like wow this is actually that one they're out to get you type of school and I, I just didn't I mean there might be some people who thrive in that that environment but I'm not one of those people I thought like I didn't want to be in that environment and so when I interviewed at BU it was amazing because it's a big school but it's also a small school at the same time at least how they treat people and they weren't too caught up on being BU. They were pretty down to earth for the fact of who they were. So I think that really attracted me because I went to a a small school for my undergrad. So I was kind of used to having more of a personal touch and things. So I didn't like that. um, Give us some knives and have us duke it out kind of thing that they might be doing at that school. Awesome.
0: Do you have any idea what you might be interested in in the future as far as what you want to practice?
1: I've given some thought. Well, my previous research kind of steers me towards a certain direction. I was doing research in my undergrad institution. I was doing um, electrophysiology. So I'm kind of interested inside cardiology or even possibly neurology. I'm used to looking at a screen and looking at an oscilloscope and seeing meaning out of you know, squiggly squiggly lines, crazy squigglies.
0: Allison talks about the crazy squigglies all the time and how she Boy. thought they were voodoo to begin with, and now she thinks <laughs> there's something there. But I think she's just drinking the Kool Aid.
1: <laughs> she probably is drinking the Kool Aid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, those, I, those are I'm great.
1: Keep, I was saying, uh, I do keep an, an open mind because I've heard it many a times that by the time you get to Time, the time you get to applying to residency, you might feel totally different. So I'm pretty open-minded about it, but I do have my thoughts and I've tried to find some research positions for next summer inside, car, inside cardiology where I can look at squiggly lines and try to get some meaning out of it. Awesome.
0: What advice do you have for the pre-med out there that's struggling Possibly through community college, thinking now they have no chance of getting into med school or anything that you learned along your way that you know
1: will help? I think the most important thing is to find a mentor, actually. I think that's one of the, the big differences between people who go to like may, who perhaps they want to be a doctor when they're like 20 or 19 or something like that, and they're at a four year school, is that perhaps they have someone to, like, to show them the ropes or to make suggestions or things like, like that. So if you can find a mentor, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physician, but it has to be someone who knows what you're going to be going through. And so that can be like a PhD who's done their postdoc and you really like the research. And hopefully it's a science related thing that can hopefully go into biology or, or physiology. That might be kind of hard to find, but I think that's getting a good mentor is like really important. Another thing is to get a tutor as early as possible if you need one. If you're struggling, then there's no reason to struggle by yourself. It doesn't make any sense. I wish I followed my own advice there as opposed <laughs> inside to the, inside the other categories. But when I became a tutor for like science core courses, I was tutoring pre-meds. And I mean, now some of them tutor those same science classes. So there's no real reason for people to suffer by themselves. And plus, most people are already paying for the tutor out of their tuition actually they just don't know it so there's school tutors that people pay for and they just don't go and if they went then they could probably get a better grade at least and another thing is to like really make sure that by the time you graduate that you feel that you have a set of skills that you could offer to the actual med school as opposed to just being that random pre-med because i mean that's what people have the hardest time with is when they go to the interview, they feel like, wow, I'm such I'm just blah. I don't have anything special about me. But I think if you can focus your time either in volunteering or something where you make yourself different, but not for the point of just being different, but just for something that you care about. And if you care about it, it makes it just that much easier to maintain grades, to get research positions, to get scholarships. But if you're just trying to fill in a bunch of check boxes and do what you heard you need to do, then, yeah, it's easy to fall short, I think. And then um, another thing of advice, I suppose, is I think you were saying someone was asking or something like that, of like if 22 was too late to start the whole pre-med thing, I think that's a really bad way to think of it. Everyone's going to have their own timeline, really. And it's really important to not go on someone else's timeline because you don't know how that person got on their original timeline in the first place. So it's really important not to compare yourself to others and just to do your own thing. I remember there was a lot of people who were like, who kind of doubted me. I mean, that were saying, well, can you really do that? I thought you need to have this grades or, you know, you're getting a little older now. Is that possible for for you to still do something like perhaps you should do something more realistic? I've gotten all of that, you know, and I think the way that I handled it was just to ignore it and to think, well, they don't know me as well as I know myself and just really went with it. But I think if you try to rush into taking the classes when you're not ready or because your friends are taking it too, so you're going to take it too, although you probably shouldn't. I've seen a lot of friends do that, or they just kind of run into the wall like over and over again, and they never really learn why they're filling that class. I mean, it's not a killer situation to get like one bad grade or two, but it is a killer situation to not learn from your mistakes and keep doing the same thing over and over again. So I think slowing down and making sure you're doing things at your pace. If you have kids or if you're in a relationship or you have family problems or money problems, then maybe you should slow things down and kind of get your head together and, you know, just do your schedule because really the only person you're going to disappoint is yourself really in the end.
0: DeAndre, that's all awesome advice, and it sounds like a lot of the stuff that we've covered here on different episodes on the podcast, and now we're episode 95 here. We're five away from 100, so we've covered a lot of what you've talked about. So if you haven't gone and listened to all the other 94 podcasts, you need to go do it right now. Set aside a weekend and just <laughs> grab a, some peanut butter and some potato chips and just go sit in your room and veg out on... uh Podcast, I think that's the other big tip that you forgot to mention.
1: It's true. I, I haven't heard the peanut butter and chips yet.
0: Yeah, I don't I know where on, I got like, that from.
1: Online.
0: <laughs> so, DeAndre, I found you online on Twitter and started reading your blog, and that's when I knew I needed to reach out to you to get you on. Can you tell people where they can go find your blog and find you online?
1: So, my blog is Doctor Orbust. Um, that's D O C T O R O R B U S T at WordPress.com. You can just probably search for Dr. or Bust and it'll probably come up in Google. For my Twitter, it is just Dr. or Bust. It's pretty easy. I try to keep it consistent there.
0: Good. Awesome. I like it. DeAndre, thank you again for coming on and sharing your experience. I know a lot of students out there listening will get a lot of. Encouragement from your journey.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan.
0: Wow. So again, that was DeAndre. You can find his blog, drorbust.wordpress.com. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So don't worry about writing it down as you're driving down the road or running on the treadmill. We'll put a link to that there. He's also on Twitter, as he said, Dr. or Bust. I want to thank DeAndre because this is, I think, one of the first times that he's actually come out and removed the anonymity of who he is online. And we talked before we started the interview on how I truly believe that that's important, to show you that he's a real person, that these are real grades and real MCAT scores, and he got into school, he's at BU, and the whole anonymity, I know it offers people a, a voice to that they might not be comfortable with, but... I'm excited he kind of came out today and and uh showed us who he is. So, thank you again DeAndre. If you want to connect with him, like I said on Twitter, he's Dr. Orbust. Connect with me. I'm Medical School HQ. We're still looking for a few articles, uh, not articles, a few stories for our 100th episode. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. We are closing in on session 100 and we're super excited. And the idea that was given to us was share some stories of people that have overcome some obstacles on their path to medical school or on their path through pre-med. They don't even have to be in medical school yet because those are the kind of stories that encourage and motivate and inspire you. So if you've struggled a little bit on your path, I want to hear from you. Email me, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. And in the subject, put episode 100. And let us know what you've struggled with. And we are dying to share your story with some of our all of our listeners, really. So please do that. And I think that's it for this week. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you can take some of these words of encouragement and do something with it. I hope you have a mentor in your life. I hope you have an advisor in your life similar to DeAndre that can give you that kick in the butt when you need it. And yeah, as always, I hope you join us next time here at the medical school headquarters.